going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 181 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, it's been a while, but I think that we are officially going full pain cast as we recap our results from a brutal week 11 in the NFL on DraftKings, reflect on some of the key decision points, reflect on how we incorrectly navigated those decision points. And of course, we'll close out the show by taking a look at some of the most interesting stats and storylines from the week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. This week, we are going to be doing an additional live stream for the Thanksgiving slate, three-game slate, one of the best slates of the year. That live stream is going to be early on Wednesday afternoon. The replay will be available on the YouTube channel, so you can check that out for all of our thoughts on the Thanksgiving slate this week. Joey, brutal, brutal, brutal week 11. I feel like this is what it's like to hit rock bottom. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely at the lowest point that I've been at this entire season, for sure. Um just can't seem to win man having a brutal season you know gotta gotta be honest with the people probably having my worst season since this podcast started mm. and i don't know it takes a toll it yeah takes a toll. I, I'm, it really I'm just like mentally drained at this point just keep just with all these losses and honestly obviously accountability is huge and you know you're responsible for the decisions you make but I feel like the process is pretty sound and the lineups that, you know, you and I are putting out are solid lineups, and especially in cash, like they are cash game lineups and the results just haven't been there so far to start the season. And I don't know, I don't know, man, um, didn't even have to open up DraftKings to tell everybody my results because I won two head to heads, two out of like 65. I had two head to heads against Ben because we got auto match somehow. So we pushed because we thought we were good going into the four o'clock games. So I ended up only winning two head-to-heads and had about one good GPP team. So that's how my week went. Got absolutely blasted. Yeah. I don't know what we need to do to to fix the, the down streak because like you said, I feel like the process is good. Like even reflecting on the decision points that didn't go our way yesterday in retrospect, I think that they were still the correct calls. So that's part of the game. And like this can happen in NFL because there's so much volatility that you can go on long losing streaks, long winning streaks, and it not really be indicative of your play. So that's just what I'm trying to focus on. And I mean, that's why bankroll management is important because, you know, you don't want to blow your whole load and go on a down streak and then not be able to recoup in a bounce back. But yeah, it's definitely hard, you know, spending so much time every week doing research, putting out content, you know, solidifying the picks that we think are the best, you know, giving that advice, making those picks ourselves, and then it just not hitting, <laughs> you know, it's it's just a lot of work to be losing money, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you we we were watching the games yesterday together and you said it you're like it's it's not really the money, it's the the fact that we don't like losing. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing cuz it's like obviously you can get the money back, right? There's plethora of ways to make money in this world. At the end of the day, you know, I just I just like the feeling of winning 
more than anything. And when you go on a down streak like this and, you know, you said it perfectly, it, it just is tough, takes a toll on, you know, your mindset and, you know, it makes you feel dead inside. So <laughs> got to just keep on looking forward, I guess, and focus on these slates that we got coming up. Keep the process sound. And, you know, like you said, bankroll management is key. If you're listening to this and been on a downturn yourself, um, you know, hopefully it'll get better. That That's kind of just what I'm banking on is that we're, we're in a, a downturn right now. I think at least part of it is due to some, you know, outside factors that we can't control. But we just got to focus on what we can't control. And that's making better lineups and making better decisions. Yes, I agree with that. As far as the results that I had on this week, I mean, you and I had the same cash game lineup. The cash line in the massive $25 single entry double up on DraftKings was 113. Our lineup failed to crack 100 points, which is just absolutely brutal. We finished with 93.24. That was good for a 5% win rate on my head-to-heads, just a massive L. I was able to recoup about 30% of my weekly bankroll this week based off the one Jonathan Taylor tournament lineup that I played and we'll get to JT in a little bit but yeah I mean just overall a massive L this week and in terms of decision points the core of the lineup I think was very secure this week there were like five wide receivers that were cash game viable and the way that the lineup fit from a construction standpoint it almost locked you into having the three guys that we played and that the majority of people played which was Tyreek Hill, T. Higgins, and Michael Gallup. A.J. Dillon was a lock. He was like 80% in cash. And then the decision that you had to make in cash games this week was really a 3v3 between a a paydown quarterback, which was Tua, Cole Komet, who was the chalk at tight end, and the Browns defense. And that was the big train on DraftKings this week. That was the core of the lineup that people built around the other guys that I listed. And the direction that you and I went was to play Dak Prescott, Jonathan Bates at tight end and the Jets defense. And what I meant by saying that I feel like the process was right, you know, on a week to week basis, we talk about it every week. Like, I don't think it was bad to pay up from Tua to get to Dak Prescott when the spots that you were sacrificing were tight end and Cole Komet did nothing. Bates outproduced him at 2,500. I feel good about that choice. And then saving it defense with the Jets defense and they did nothing, but that's okay because the volatility at defense is absolutely something that you have to embrace on a week to week basis and saving salary at those two positions to me was right to get up to a quarterback who was part of a game that was projected to be a shootout within the first quarter of the game. It looked like we were sitting in an absolutely great spot with the Cowboys down big and Dak Prescott having no choice but to pass the ball. Like everything lined up perfectly for us, but Dak just had worse than a floor game. He had like a basement game. <laughs> like he was sitting at the floor and he dug a hole to get even deeper. And I've just never seen something so bad. Everything ran poorly for the Cowboys offense. There were drops all over the field. Dak missing Gallup on a wide open pass down the sideline for the first play of the game. C.D. Lamb getting injured halfway through. And it just felt like the ultimate run bad for a decision that I still ultimately feel good about. Yeah, I feel fine going up to Dak. I mean, we've been paying up to quarterbacks all year in cash, and it's been working out for the most part. Although I personally did believe that Tua was viable in cash games, and ultimately that was the correct decision to make was to play Tua. He only scored 18 points. The lineup construction that playing him you know, allowed you to probably fit Devontae Adams in and Tyreek Hill if you didn't play CMC or it allowed you to, to pay up at another spot. 
which probably got you over the cash line. But I, I don't know. Um, we talked about it on the pod. That was the exact way how that game fails. You know, both defenses have been playing well, right? Recently, the Chiefs defense has tightened up over the last month or so against some, you know, good offenses. The Cowboys defense has been playing well all year, and it was kind of the same story in this game. Both defenses exceeded expectations, you know, stopped the other offenses pretty much on every single drive in the game, and both of these teams, in terms of their fantasy players, busted for the most part, besides like Tyreek Hill. And I mean, we we said it, and I kind of did it, but playing contrarian early this week was definitely the key to winning, and I think that's kind of what you did in your lineup that finished pretty high. I had a decent lineup that finished in the top 50. I did that as well, so maybe should have considered that a little bit more. But just in terms of cash games, I, I don't know. I feel fine going to Dak. Probably in hindsight, I wish I would have paid down at quarterback because personally, I was like 50-50 on it. And honestly, like we're so weak for not playing Cam Newton. Like, Was there any reason to actually believe that P.J. Walker, you know, a stone backup quarterback, would realistically take any snaps from Cam Newton? If I just thought about that a little bit more, I probably would have played Cam McCash. No cap. Yeah, that that was the biggest leak, I think, in our process. We were talking about it all throughout that podcast on Thursday last week that like Cam Newton at 5,100 seemed like a really good play. Then that PJ Walker news came out that he was going to split snaps and we're like, all right, well, that's that can't touch him GPP only. And it's like, yeah, maybe we should have thought about that a little more. Maybe that was the big mistake. And that coaches be capping. We got to yeah, remember I mean, that. We don't. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. They're goddamn liars, and we're and we're sitting there like taking his word for it. But like, it lines up because the other thing that we can't do is assume that coaches are going to make smart decisions. So like, yeah, I'm just like, oh, they're going to play PJ Walker. Like that sounds terrible, <laughs> but I'm not surprised. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Cam Newton. God, I wish we had just stuck stuck with Cam Newton. That would have been a major difference maker for our lineups. Yeah, and then. So I feel kind of bad about that process and, you know, what led to that. But other than that, just one more note. I'm done with T. Higgins, bro. I'm done. I know for taking a quick look ahead, I know it's early, but he's 5,400 again. He's probably going to project very well. I'm done with him, man. I can't do it. I can't put myself through (laughs) T. Higgins' pain any longer. I can't. Yeah. I mean, those three-week streak of 13-point games came to an end and um you know we were obviously hoping it for for it to be on the other side and this man is just a disappointment (laughs) you know he's a disappointment to me he's a disappointment to everybody who's rostered him and you really just hate to see it like i can't believe that this man was going where he was going in drafts all off season and this is what we're getting it's disgusting yeah i mean it's heartbreaking kind of predictable with jamar chase as the alpha in that offense but the opportunity is still there with t higgins and I don't know. He just hasn't been producing. The Bengals offense in this spot, they were just consistently running the ball down the Raiders' throat, which was annoying to see because I also had that large prize picks bet going, which ended up hitting three out of four per usual. So just another L to add on to my tough week. And that was also a decision point that swung a lot of people's cash lineups is Waddle or Higgins. And 47% of the field went Higgins, when 20% of the field went Waddle, and Waddle ended up with 20 points. T. Higgins ended with three. So that 17 points, you know, if you had a decent lineup around it, probably got you over the cash line. 
It probably did. And I, I think I'm right there with you, man. It, it's time to X out T Higgins from the player pool for the rest of 2021. Um, I, I'm done with it too. Let's move on to some of the interesting stats and storylines from the week. Jonathan Taylor had a career performance against the Bills this week, and it was one for the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. Okay, this man went 32 attempts for 185 yards on the ground and four touchdowns, added a touchdown with 19 yards receiving. This man scored five touchdowns, put up 56 points on DraftKings at under 5% ownership, and it's just unbelievable. Jonathan Taylor now has 15 touchdowns on the year with six games left to play in the regular fantasy season. He scored a touchdown in eight straight games, and my takeaway is that Jonathan Taylor is the undisputed 2022-101 in fantasy drafts. He's going to be the first overall pick in every draft next year. Do you agree with that assessment? I think I would. This man is just a different breed. And I know like we have a long history of kind of like trolling around with with Jonathan Taylor, especially on mm-hmm. our YouTube channel. <laughs> this guy is is so good. Marlon Mack has been relegated to a healthy scratch, which is kind of what we wanted to see uh, as the season went on was Jonathan Taylor come into his own, take over the backfield. And he completely has ever since week three. You know, he's been dominant, right? He scored a touchdown in every game since. Puts up a massive 56-point game on DraftKings this past Sunday. And the man is just elite. He's the clear-cut 101, in my opinion, over CMC, over Elvin Kamara next season. And from his college days, the man has been dominant. And now he's dominating the NFL. And, I mean, if he keeps this up, I don't know. He's going to be the undisputed best fantasy player, period. Yeah, I mean, he's doing stuff that hasn't been done since LT, you know, in fantasy football, which is like the greatest fantasy player of all time. So it's just unbelievable. Shout out to Jonathan Taylor and shout out to any of the clowns out there who were calling him Trent Richardson 2.0. Cue the little uh, thing that comes up on our YouTube channel that recommends old videos just so people can and shout out to <laughs> us for not playing him. Hey, speak for yourself. I had him in one lineup. <laughs> And, and just going back to like, so like I played about like seven GPP teams this week. Three of them were Josh Allen. He was my most owned tournament quarterback. And that was a big mistake. I think looking back that I only played Taylor in one of them. And I wasted two of those with Naheem Hines as a bring back. It's like, no, like if these lineups are going to hit their ceiling, somebody on the Colts is doing something. And the only player that can actually separate from the rest of the field on that team i think is jonathan taylor like Pittman could have a big game maybe but he's not going to break the slate it was it was an oversight to not play jonathan taylor in all of those lineups i would have had a much different day if i had just thought that decision through a little bit more and not and not tried to you know galaxy brain it with naheem hines plays like i don't yeah know i mean i was even thinking i i told you to not play hines yeah. but no you did you did yeah i mean jt was 3.9 percent in the Millie Maker, so hardly anybody was on JT this week. But at the end of the day, man, like obviously he was priced up as you know the second most expensive running back, but the man just scores fantasy points. Why did we make it so hard on ourselves? Like play the dudes who score fantasy points. Like just looking back at the process and results, like this dude JT is a lock for twenty plus every week now with the ceiling of fifty plus. So at his eighty three hundred price tag, like if I would have just thought about it a little bit more i would have played him right but no i get too concentrated on these cheap running backs and they don't do anything and it was just a tough scene indeed it was 
JT wasn't the only one with a monster performance at the running back position in week 11. Austin Eckler in last night's game against the Steelers. You know, Eckler is a fantasy guy, right? Like he loves fantasy football. He plays fantasy football. I think he was probably, you know, in his lineups, went against JT and he had himself and he's like, yo, hold my beer. I got, I, I can't let this stand. I got to win this matchup. <laughs> so we went for 115 total yards and four touchdowns against a stout Steelers run defense. And my takeaway is that I, I think if every NFL player played fantasy football, they would try harder. You know, that's what Eckler does. He he starts himself. He drafts himself in every league. And that's just a little extra motivation. I think every NFL player should be contractually obligated to play at least in one fantasy league every single year. Yeah. I mean, why not? Like, especially if you are a player and you roster yourself, you get the satisfaction of beating your opponent with yourself in the lineup. Like, that's got to be a great feeling. Mm -hmm. Two, you get more stats. And what do stats equal in the NFL? They equal money. Dollar bills. The, the better you perform, the more money you will make. It's very correlated. So I definitely agree that these players should be playing fantasy football and rostering themselves and, you know, trying a little bit harder. And maybe they would uh make some more money because of it. I, I think it'd be a win-win-win. It would definitely be a win-win-win. Shout out to Eckler. Not too much to say about it from a fantasy perspective. Well, like, this is just expected for a yeah. player like him. I have another um thing to say about it. You know... The 1 o'clock games happen, you're facing Jonathan Taylor, scores 56, you're like, all right, whatever. Sunday night game comes, your opponent has Austin Eckler as well. <laughs> just just somebody just run me over, bro. Yesterday was terrible. You had to face both in I one? I had to face both in one. Wow. Just brutal, that's, bro. That's unfortunate. He dropped 200 plus on me. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? I just deserve to be hit by a car knock on wood yeah I'm, i mean that's definitely drive off a bridge status yeah. when you're looking down and you had nine touchdowns scored against you between two you get backs. smoked like, on DraftKings. you lose your prize picks bet for a thousand dollars in the 4 p.m window and then austin eckler and jt drop 93 total points on you in a redraft fantasy league i'm not getting out of bed the next day <laughs> it was hard to get up today to be honest I feel you, man. I do. I do. But if there's any positive news, it's that one of the great players in the NFL is returning to action. <laughs> Clyde Edwards Hilaire has returned after a five game absence and he looked dynamic, Joey. He did. He handled 70% of the running back touches, ran 12 times for 63 yards and a touchdown, added two catches for 13. And, you know, my takeaway right now is that the Chiefs have a bye, another week for CEH to retake his role. I think CEH comes out of the bye, plays 80 plus percent of snaps for the Chiefs for the rest of the year and ends up being a league winner after all the naysayers, you know, took their victory laps. They saw Daryl doing well. They're like, all right, CEH is fragile, can't stay healthy. No, 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 no. CEH is coming back. He's got a tough matchup in week 13, but right in time for the fantasy playoffs, first week of the fantasy playoffs, gets the Chargers run funnel defense and in the finals, which I'm assuming anybody who has CEH is super sharp, so they'll be in the finals for their fantasy league. You know, gets a great matchup in a high-scoring <laughs> setting versus the Bengals. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's back. He's here to make some money, and he's here to win you your fantasy league. I mean, he looked pretty solid yesterday. He did. And he's a solid back. Like, he's not great, but he's not bad. And if he gets utilized more in the passing game, obviously— he would be a solid fantasy asset, and he probably is better 
than Daryl Williams, just as like a uh, just like as a runner. Uh, so it makes sense why he would come back and take over, you know, majority of the running back snaps and touches. And I don't know. I, I still think his ceiling is very low, though, just because of the lack of receiving upside. Like the Chiefs showed a willingness to give Daryl a lot of target opportunity, you know, some deep targets down the field that they just won't give CEH for whatever reason. Like that's what you drafted him to be was a pass catching specialist, you know, another weapon for Patrick Mahomes to use in the passing game, but they don't use him like that. Doesn't make any sense, but he looked pretty good and, you know, maybe maybe he has some relevance moving forward. I don't I don't know. I, I'm I'm still kind of skeptical about CEH. Think think about it like this. Like one of the reasons that they used Daryl in in that way was because the coverages that teams were using against the Kansas City offense shifted this year and it wasn't an immediate shift like at the beginning of the year they were still you know on fire they were dropping 30 every week and then teams sort of changed the coverage and you know they had to become more of a dink and dunk offense and I think that that is a contributing factor to why Daryl's usage in the passing game went up it kind of coincided with the time that CEH went out but if this continues with CEH as the lead back he has been an accomplished pass catcher in the past in college I think that if teams continue to run that coverage that limits downfield passing, then CEH should be the main beneficiary. And I think that down the stretch here, he could resolidify himself as that pass catcher that we drafted him for. It may have just taken some time to get to the end point, but I don't want to hold down onto any biases that we've had about CEH in the past because I think it's just a different time now. I agree. So the Justin Jefferson eruption finally happened. He went eight for 169 and two 40 points on DraftKings. It's his second game in a row with massive yardage totals. It was in the 140s last week, almost 170 this week. And I just want to look back at my own process. Another big mistake I made last week. So I've played wide receivers against the Packers in DFS for two straight weeks. No Jair Alexander. I've I've been saying it on the podcast. I'm like, all right, this is a spot where they can't cover anybody. I'm going to play these guys and hope that they get loose against a weak Packers secondary. I played Justin Jefferson two weeks in a row as well. He's been a low-owned contrarian pivot when there's high-owned players at the wide receiver position. This week, both of these narratives came together. Justin Jefferson, low-owned contrarian play, pivot off of Adams and, and Tyreek. Still no Jair Alexander for the Packers. And I didn't play any Justin Jefferson. Why? (laughs) please tell me what am i doing i don't understand how to how i missed on this of all the weeks he finally hits and it's it's the first time in like three weeks running i haven't played any justin jefferson on DraftKings. <laughs> yeah i didn't play much justin jefferson and ultimately that game in general ended up being the game to play if you wanted to win gpps which roger snap too Yep, Rodgers was the GPP winning quarterback, ended with 36 points. I mean, I just wasn't on that game personally. I think that Justin Jefferson is elite. He was priced up 8100 you know, in that tier of Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, so it was kind of hard to get there. But I don't think there are four receivers in the NFL that I would rather have over Justin Jefferson. I think he's firmly in the top five, even as a sophomore. Because the man just balls out in a low pass volume offense at that. So Top five, though? Top five. I don't know, man. Top five, huh? I guess he is. I guess I he mean, is. He's going to put up massive seasons in both of his first two years. My top five would, in no order, would be Tyreek, Devontae, D-Hop, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. I'll put him in there already. Oh, damn. Cooper Cup is in the top five, right? 
undeniably. It's the best receiver in the NFL nah. this year. This year, but overall talent, he's not top five. Like, if, if you put Justin Jefferson in that cup role, Jefferson outproduces cup, right? I think if you put a lot of receivers in that voluminous role that is the second most targeted receiver in the NFL with Matt Stafford, I think a lot of these guys, like Devontae's in that role, but Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase even, they outproduce Cooper Cup, which is kind of what I'm basing it off of. I gotcha, I gotcha. We saw a late rookie breakout at the wide receiver position this week in Elijah Moore, who's been promising at times, but has never really been able to work himself into a full-time role on the Jets offense up to this point. But he finally got there this week, had 11 targets, turned that into eight catches for 141 yards and a touchdown, added 15 on the ground as a rusher as well. Ran more routes. Than he has at any point this year, 81% of Joe Flacco's dropbacks, he was running a route. And I guess the question is, you know, is he going to be able to consistently keep this up down the stretch? Because if he is, he's he's going to be part of a lot of winning teams finishing out this fantasy season. It seems like he's fully breaking out. I don't see how he's not a full-time player after this. And I, I don't know if it was, you know, Zach Wilson holding him back with subpar quarterback player, if it was just the usage or what it was, but Elijah Moore seems to have arrived. Yeah. Elijah Moore has had a string of good games now. And some people on fantasy Twitter definitely predicted this with Joe Flacco at the helm now who is probably the best option there without Zach Wilson being in the starting lineup and I think he is kind of better for the Jets receivers he did show that he has some connection with Elijah Moore in some previous games I feel like it was a decent spot for the Jets wide receivers uh, Elijah Moore was what 5k on DK or 4900 or somewhere around there so it was a good price personally I just can't play Jets but moving forward, he probably is the Jets receiver one over Corey Davis, I think. And he's been producing. So he's definitely a weekly fantasy starter for sure. And he'll definitely be a topic of conversation on our next podcast priced in the mid 5Ks going up against the Houston Texans. A couple of quarterback stories to close things out. We finally saw Cam Newton take a full complement of snaps like we alluded earlier. It was all smoke with this PJ Walker sharing time stuff and cam newton looked good in the opportunity that he had he completed 20 out of 25 attempts for 189 yards and two touchdowns contributed on the ground as expected had 10 attempts for 46 yards and a touchdown it wasn't even a goal line touchdown it was from like 24 yards out so that was encouraging to see cam still has some juice left and he was completing his passes at a high percentage cam newton seems to be something that could really boost this panthers offense and get them back on track like we saw earlier in the year yeah cam newen i think definitely still has something left in the, in the tank he wasn't great in my opinion passing the ball kind of a lot of low a dot stuff um had a 77 percent completion percentage which is pretty good and obviously we know his upside on the ground in terms of fantasy i think he's definitely a starter moving forward Unless you have like a high upside elite QB1, Cam Newton should probably be in your lineups. Has a couple good matchups coming up. I think the Panthers might be on a bye next week or in a, in a week or two, but I know one of their upcoming games is against the Falcons. So definitely he's in play against them. And that NFC uh, playoff race is going to be tight. I, I think that's kind of what I'm taking away from this cam newton situation is if he can come in and win the panthers games they 
might be able to sneak into a playoff spot, which is, I think, ultimately what the Panthers hoped for when bringing Cam Newton back was that they could get him into the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, they've got the pieces on offense. They've got talent on the offensive side of the ball. It's the best offensive talent that Cam Newton's ever had as a starting quarterback, and the defense is solid right now, so... Yeah, they're definitely a contender for a wild card spot in the NFC. I don't know if they have the juice to overtake, you know, the Bucks or the Rams at the top of the the tier there, but it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, you know. Getting Cam Newton in the playoffs is interesting just for the storylines. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Final story here, Jalen Hurts, man. The GOAT. I know we've been on this for a long time, and we've kind of been like a Jalen Hurts fan cast for a little while, but like, honestly... The disrespect that this man has incurred throughout the year is is needs to stop. Like we need to put some respect on this man's name. He is a fantasy football machine. This man put up 30 points on DraftKings without a passing touchdown and he did it because he scored 3 times on the ground on 18 attempts. Like this man is like a young Lamar Jackson with the rushing. Like it's unbelievable. This kid is something special. I think he deserves to be a starter long term. The kind of juice that he has on the field is not going to be found in many places across the league double digit rushing attempts in five out of six games and he looks absolutely electric doing it Jalen Hurts I think has done more than enough this year to earn some respect within you know the fantasy football community the football fan community and most importantly within the Eagles office I would be shocked if they moved on from him after this year I think that he's done enough yeah I don't think the Eagles should move on from Jalen Hurts he's gotten better as the season has gone on and the Eagles have had a stretch of tough games. They played the Chargers, the Saints, the Broncos. All three have tough defenses. And he still kind of produced, you know, QB1 in two out of the three weeks. But now his rest of season schedule, you have a bye upcoming within a couple of weeks. But then you get the Giants, the Jets, Washington, the Giants again, and then Washington again to end the fantasy playoff season. The man is a stone cold league winner. And he has mm-hmm. been all season. Right, His ADP slipped into the 10th round by the beginning of September. Like, I don't understand people's thought process behind fading Jalen Hurts. He was one of my highest-owned quarterbacks in best ball by far. Over 15% ownership on underdog. The man is just a fantasy god, and he is the QB1 overall right now. Overall, on the season, QB1. That's a massive W for us. It is. It is. I mean, you could go back and scroll. We have a Jalen Hurts as a league winner video on this page. And we backed it up with our own dollar bills because I was right there with you drafting Jalen Hurts in every op- you know every opportunity I had. It's clear as day that he was going to be an elite rusher this year. And we've seen it. It's even been better than we thought. QB won overall. And that was always in his range. And it's nice to, to see him hit the top of his range. You know, shout out to Jalen Hurts. Dude is a leader. Dude is the GOAT. Yeah, you know, barring a Tom Brady explosion game, he will be QB1 going into week 12. You love to see that. You absolutely love to see that. And I think that that is going to be it for episode 181 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure that you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey DFS. Like I mentioned earlier, we are going to be doing a live stream on Wednesday afternoon previewing the Thursday Thanksgiving slate that will be available for replay as well as the audio on our podcast feed. If you're not able to make the stream, but if you are come on through, ask us any questions you have. We do Q and A's during the streams. We'll get to everything that you guys have on your mind. 
through a complicated and interesting three-game slate for Thursday. We'll also have our normal content schedule as well, so everything you need to know for Week 12, we'll cover that as we always do. If you're interested in connecting with us, you can do so on our free Discord channel. The link to join is in the show notes to the podcast. And if you're listening out there, just know that we appreciate you, we value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.